0: Hey, good evening, everybody. We're back here with day three, Wednesday evening, and our remote roundup wrap-up. Again, happy to be welcoming in Kylie Williams, the AMEBC roundup reporter. Uh, Kylie, how are you? How was your day, day three? uh, Still standing, still got your eyes open. Yeah,
1: that's right. You don't know if I'm standing or not, but my eyes are definitely
0: open. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Today, let's let's get a real recap for today. There were some pretty interesting things. Anyways, from kind of a, a... holistic look at the commodities market and the financials and and kind of funding projects on different uh, areas of the mining cycle. And then we had some you know, a lot of geologists, I'm sure, were tuning in, listening into some of these technical talks about some specific, very successful deposits and projects. A couple of, uh, companies I'm familiar with, such as Great Bear and Resources, they were a part of the dialogue. Uh, but let's start with this morning. You know, overall sense before we dive into the nitty gritty. What was your big takeaway from today?
1: Yeah, I agree with uh, what you said just then. It was a real mixed bag with uh, something for everyone from Drill intersections and cross sections through to, you know, the capital markets and the financial ride that we've been on and then we dove deep into community relations and, um, and First Nations relationships in the afternoon with gathering place.
0: Yeah, Uh, let's start with this precious metals session. Um, I mean, you know, just looking at the title, you probably wouldn't have known that we were going to get in some real specifics about how some of these projects and deposits were discovered and the exploration strategies that went into these de- into these discoveries and the developments. This is where we heard from. Great Bear Resources uh, and Integra Resources Delamar Project. But we started out with a, a young G.O. from Kennerland. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, it's a young team there. But he really broke down their work that they've done in the Abitibi and then also elsewhere in their portfolio.
1: Yeah, um, based on the conversation in the chat during that presentation, people were really, really interested in the, uh, the statistical analysis that Francis had done on the discovery of gold deposits, uh, big gold deposits over time in Canada um, and correlating the the size of the discovery, uh, the size and grade of the gold in the discovery hole compared to the size and grade of the deposit that eventually gets mined. So uh, if that's something you're interested in and I think we all are, you should definitely check the replay of that one. Um, And they talk specifically about their um, Renault project in the Abitibi Greenstone belt um, and his, his delivery method was so uh, understated and calm, but he delivered my favorite line of the day, which was, we've been hitting gold everywhere.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Uh, speaking of hitting gold everywhere, Great Bear Resources uh, really kind of broke it down. I mean, that's been such a successful story for the last couple of years, but they really talked about how they kind of stumbled on this LP fault uh, portion. And I mean, obviously they've been, really hitting that hard with the drill bit the last couple of months and cont- will continue to do so throughout this year. But that was a really interesting way to kind of step back and revisit the beginnings of the Dixie project.
1: Yeah, um, it was really good the way all the projects today talked about the the early days and the initial discoveries and and they really broke it down, all the tools that they're using and uh, the wins that they've had and, and you know, just yeah, the just the whole package, not just the technical stuff.
0: Yeah. We said it before, it's about the rocks, not about the stocks. That certainly was apparent in this, um, uh, this platform today. But there was something else that was actually kind of unique. And that was really the human element of it all. That uh, was a nice conversation to have.
1: Yeah, um, I really enjoyed Sylvia from Endeavor Mining's presentation about their uh, project uh, on the Ivory Coast and just the way that um, she's empowered her team, a real local team um, to, to take responsibility with what they're doing and to be really invested in the result. Um, and it sounds like they've got a really amazing team on the ground and you know they're doing well below the surface and it sounds like they're doing really well with the people stuff above the surface as well.
0: Uh, okay, so that was a real technical session. Let's go over to kind of the financial part of the day. And that's where uh, David Elliott gave a kind of keynote on the finance portion. Uh, He's got a long history uh, of investment, uh, raising capital uh, in this sector. So there's a lot of good takeaways. Um, You know, I don't think there's a whole lot of surprises, but it's always nice to be reiterated, you know, what we already know just so we don't forget.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, he had a lot of good takeaways and uh, lists about what to look for in a good investment. So looking for a strong and committed team who who uh, have the people in place to, to deal with technical stuff as well as the social and environmental. Um, he also commented on how important it is to have passionate uh, geologists on your team and have a really strong in-house technical team rather than relying on that that knowledge from from outside, from consultants. Um, Good to have a balance there. Um, But I think uh, one of the things that I want to draw everyone's attention to is uh, one of his slides near the end of his presentation where he went through some capital raising options uh, and he was very specific uh, listing some specific funds and equity groups and companies to target in 2021. if you have money on your mind, and I know that most of us do, <laughs> go and check out the replay of his his talk, because there was a slide there that's going to be very interesting to everyone. Uh,
0: companies have options. Yeah. They just need to know what those options are. Absolutely. Uh, before they make the final decision. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ESG was also a common theme throughout this, this discussion. I mean, obviously, it's been a common theme all week.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, You said a few good things about um, ESG. One of them was uh, don't don't just do enough to get by. Um, You need to, um, we as an industry need to encourage each other to do better um, because investors are monitoring ESG performance really closely. Um, And if you're doing good work on the ESG side to use that as your competitive advantage over others. Um, So it's not enough to sit back and do the minimum. You have to, to really excel
0: he did do, you know, I, I, I chimed in and listened intently to his conversation as well. He did do a nice job of kind of explaining how uh, the major miners are are maybe approaching this bull market in uh, the metal sector a little bit more carefully than they did the last go around. Uh, obviously, there was mistakes made 10 years ago during that bull market. Uh, and they need to because he then he followed up by saying uh, banks like Goldman Sachs are predicting a bull market to rival that. Of the two thousands, which is fascinating to hear. However, when that go around we saw a lot of MA really heat up. We haven't necessarily seen that. That's been muted still.
1: Yeah, yeah. He did he commented on how it's been uh there haven't been as many mergers and acquisitions as we've seen in previous uh, bull runs, I guess. Um, but he also commented that a lot of the majors, um, you know, because of the price of gold and the price of silver, they have bit more money to spend on um joint ventures and and greenfields projects so you know maybe instead of mergers and acquisitions we're going to see more uh, cooperative jvs um joint ventures of companies coming together and working side by side rather than eating each other alive
0: uh he also had some specific things uh, analysis to talk about copper and silver and nickel but we're not going to share those because we want people to go back and listen <laughs> listen in yeah, cliffhanger, uh, cliffhanger, cliffhanger. Yeah,
1: that's, <laughs> it. <laughs> it's very
0: interesting. It was very interesting. I highly recommend going back to listen. Uh, we wrapped the day at The Gathering Place and this was a unique event for attendees. Um, break, us, break down what this was all about.
1: Yeah, um, so The Gathering Place is a mainstay um, for the last uh, 10 or 15 years. Um, and it opened with uh, Murray Rankin, the um, BC Minister for Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation. Um, And he really uh, did a great shout out to AME um, saying that we're committed and genuine and our efforts are really sincere. And he also encouraged us to uh, share our stories. And that's what the rest of the session was about. Um, We had, you know, success stories from uh, a few Indigenous Indigenous owned businesses um, and the value of working with them, especially during COVID when when it's hard to get people uh, to the work site. So having those local businesses is incredibly valuable. Um, But also uh, we heard from Dolly Varden and the NISCA, Sabina Gold and their community liaison officer up in, uh, I can can never say it, uh, Goya Bay Bay up in Nunavut. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> I've really that. I apologise. Yeah. <laughs> but um, stories about uh, working together and unfortunately not being able to work together as much in the last year in person. Um, Internet's not so great up there, so they uh, haven't been able to take themselves online. So all of them are really excited to get back to community meetings and and talking to each other and and understanding what they need to do to cooperate.
0: Uh, one thing we do want to hit on quickly because uh, it is kind of important there was some dialogue um, about the Pan-Canadian Geoscience Initiative. Uh, Kylie, can you tell us what that is and kind of what the conversation was?
1: Yeah, um, so I popped into the tail end of the uh, Canadian Minerals and Metals Plan, the CMMP. They had an interactive workshop um, because they're proposing the Pan-Canadian Geoscience Initiative, the PGI. Um, and the chat was really uh, intense. There were lots of comments, lots of contributions, lots of opinions uh, from AME membership. And it's you know, it's something at the federal level that we all want to contribute to because we, we have really great ideas from being the people on the ground who are working on this every day. Um, so I think uh, Jonathan Buchanan is our, our conduit to the CMMP. Um, so I think we all need to let him know what we're thinking and. Um, get our ideas heard at the federal level.
0: Do do members reach out to Jonathan?
1: <laughs> he's going to kill me for saying this, but sure, send him an email.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's ducking back into a corner right now. That's right. Virtually. I won't go so far
1: as to okay. Okay. Tell, him, tell everyone what his email address is.
0: <laughs> All right, Kylie. Well, it was another great day. Thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow evening. Uh, get some sleep and uh, have some nice recovery.
1: Thanks, I've uh, got to practice my poker skills for tomorrow.
0: Hey, we're back here with our day three wrap up of the remote roundup from the Association for Mineral Exploration in British Columbia, featuring this company today, Elemental Royalties. Elemental Royalties trades on the TSX venture with ELE and also on the OTCQX with the symbol ELEMF, happy to be joined and welcome back to the podcast, CEO of the company, Mr. Frederick Bell. Hey, Frederick, how are you? Very good, Trevor. Uh, we have been speaking with a lot of your uh, colleagues and uh, uh, counterparts there at Discovery Metals, uh, but what makes you and Elemental Royalties unique to this ongoing discussion is I, I believe you are the only royalty company underneath the Discovery Group banner. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Yeah, that's, um, I think we're the, uh, look, we we listed mid last year and um, we were the first royalty company in, in the Discovery Group. Um, and I think uh, it's... It's um, it, it offers something different, I think.
0: Yeah, um, and, you're a little bit of a black sheep. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, I think a golden child is, <laughs> oh, okay. uh, is how I like to describe it. But um, it's you know, it's it's interesting because you look across, you know, a thousand exploration juniors developers, um, and you know, you sort of see uh, a dozen royalty companies, and I I think that's you know. Um, uh, it's 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 a really good, different way to play the market and to get exposure to, in our case, particularly precious metals.
0: Yeah, uh, you and I, this is maybe the third time you and I have chatted over the course of about six months since you guys listed onto the market. Uh, and you have experienced some really nice growth, actually. Uh, can you kind of walk us through uh, some of the key highlights of Elemental Success from 2020?
2: <laughs> yeah, so we... We started the um, started 2020 with a, a private fundraise and an acquisition, and that was at about a dollar Canadian share price equivalent. And we bought the uh, royalty on Tarangas Wangyong mine, which was uh, their brand new 135,000 ounce a year mine. And um, we listed the company Elemental in started trading in in July 2020, and we had a 24 million dollar fundraise and. Pleasingly, um, Taranga announced that the Wang Yon Royalty, which is our biggest at the time, um, was going up to sort of 150,000 ounces, um, you know, targeted production. And um, they just announced a week or so ago that actually 2020 production was 175,000 ounces. Um, so it's it's a pretty big increase on, on that royalty for us from 135 up to 175,000 ounces. And, you know, when you look at the mine life, which is 10 years to start with, um, that's probably one of the uh, most material sort of uh, developments in our existing portfolio. I think um, more recently, Taranga being acquired with Endeavor to create a top 10 gold producer globally, um, you know, gives us a really strong counterparty there. And one of our other royalties is on Premier Gold's Mercedes mine. And that is um, with the deal with Equinox, um, you know, being taken over by a much larger operator as well. So I think it, you know, it's always good to have big, billion, multi-billion dollar operators on your assets because they can invest the money and time in, in exploration and, and, expiration and um, you know, make the most out of the assets. Um, and then most recently, we had a a, a bigger big acquisition announced, our first one as a public company, um, in December, um, and that was uh, a portfolio of gold royalties from South 32, and and South 32 for those who don't know. An eight billion dollar spin out from BHP Billiton, um, and they um, they had a a royalty of of precious metals um, uh, precious metals royalties that you know BHP have had for many years, and it's three royalties in Australia, but it effectively doubles the size of the company, um, and the biggest royalty there um, is coming on stream in Q2 this year, so over the coming months, and um, it's Australia's newest gold mine. And it will be our largest royalty by revenue, adding four, four and a half million US dollars a year in in revenue. So um, I think it takes us from, you know, if we said our 2020 revenue was $5 million US, you know, just on the back of that royalty alone, we're getting up to 10 million. Um, And with some of our other assets coming on stream, um, you know, we're comfortably over that by 2022.
0: You know, when you and I were first introduced and we started talking, one of the conversations that you and I had was really about um the of the opportunity for more royalty companies to kind of come online and be introduced to the market well that was about a year ago uh you and I first had that discussion obviously that was before the big bull market of the summer of 2020 and I just want to just kind of curious your thoughts here if that's still similar sentiment now after what we've seen the last six months or if that thesis of yours has changed
2: I think it's um there's there's certainly been someone uh, amusingly sent me a, a a sort of list uh last week and said um these were your peers a year ago and here's sort of another five royalty companies as your peers in the last six months and um it's certainly been the case that there's uh, there are a number of new entrants in the space and um i think the the biggest advantage that that we have is that we've been a private royalty company for three years before we listed, so we've got a you know we've got a really good track record of um, of, of acquisitions and of finding opportunities in in the space because it, it has become more competitive um, uh, on on certain opportunities. So, um, you know I think there are a couple of third party royalty opportunities um, where we had been in discussions. You know prior to even listing the company, and we're still in discussions with those vendors. Um, and I think in in some of those, we're you know we're the only people talking to them or, or looking at the royalty. But um, on some of the bigger transactions and on on some of the um, you know more publicized and better known ones, um, you know if you have five people in the room looking at it and you go to ten, um it definitely makes it it makes it more competitive. And I think it's probably harder for a royalty company starting out today. Um, then it it was for us three years ago when we started, um, and, and there was less competition in the space.
0: So how do you provide yourself an advantage when it comes down to being more competitive in this space, knowing that you have other companies coming in, maybe trying to make a bid for the same type of acquisition, what, what breaks these companies apart and how does Elemental, uh, separate itself from the crowd?
2: Well, I think the, the most recent Royalty acquisition is probably a good example. And um, uh, we we bought that from South32 um, and it was, a, it was a process they ran in the second half of, of last year in 2020. Um, but actually our, our sort of relationship with them, you know, went back two years or so. And, um, you know, we had met as a private company, some of the business development team, um, yeah, I think probably 2018. Uh, so, I think that you know, if I was completely honest, I don't think we would have been able to do that deal had we not already you know made the introduction, met them in person, um, and and sort of started talking about it um, two years ago. I, I don't think it would have happened. And so I think that's that's a real advantage for us. Um, I think the network connections that we've already made, and um, a lot of the royalty opportunities that we're looking at now, um they're not new to us they're ones that we've been working on for you know, 2 years um, in some cases and so uh, that's that's probably the the biggest um, differentiator and and the other one of course is is track record i think our first fundraise was at a sort of $28 28 cent share price and we're now at $1.50 um and we paid dividends as a private company as well um so we've grown the value every time and and with that and growing the size of the portfolio it's actually easier for us now both to raise money and to acquire new royalties than it was when we started out so um i think both of those things put us in a in a in good stead
0: uh one of these you know kind of overarching questions i had for you and is this is really uh, comes down to maybe people who are new to the podcast or maybe just uh, new to the industry as well and and want a little bit better understanding of um, how a royal, the royalty space in this industry is different from say, the actual ex- exploration company or the mining company um, in, the, in the industry. And I'm just wondering if you could uh, simplify the, um, the thesis, the investment the- thesis of a royalty company versus say, going directly to the miner or the explorer.
2: <laughs> sure, I think the best way to think about it is, is take to your favorite mine or your favorite asset and um, and and look at it and say that might be a, a two million ounce project today, a two million ounce mine. But um we've followed the story, and we think it's going to be a four million ounce mine. And um, you know what you can achieve with a royalty is you can buy that royalty um, and pay pay for a royalty over two million ounces. Um, but you then have exposure. For the life of mine over all future exploration upside and you know the key thing here is you don't pay anything for it so if you're the mining company you you might start with two million ounces but it might cost you an awful lot of money to to build that up to four million ounces and then development costs and capex costs for a royalty company <clears throat> once you buy it you never pay anything again and so you have optionality for perpetuity and the other key thing is that for a royalty company, because you're not operating these assets, you have very low overheads. So you can very quickly start to get your royalty revenue and use it to, to reinvest in, in future acquisitions or pay it out to shareholders and dividends. And I think that's really, um, particularly in a cyclical industry like mining, that is why royalty companies historically have done so well, um, because they, they benefit from the expiration upside at no cost. And they're really, um, you know, low, low cost of GNA. Um, and so can recycle that money very effectively.
0: What is going to be maybe one or two of the biggest challenges for you and Elemental as we approach or get into this new year of 2021?
2: Um, I'm going to start with, with, <laughs> with COVID and, um, it was, uh, we, we're we a company that listed in, um, we sort of did the roadshow over the summer of 2020. We started trading then. And um, at the time we thought, you know, the world was sort of going back to normal in three months, four months. And I think as time has gone by, um, it it has been quite frustrating for us as a new company to the market to not ever meet any of our investors. Not be able to meet any of our shareholders. Uh, The board have never been able to sit in the same room together um, since we listed. So I think that um, one of the challenges for us is really to get our story out there because at the moment we are, um, well, we will be on completion of this acquisition, Um, will be an $80 million US market cap. Um, But we will you know, have royalty revenue, which is, um, you know, the third highest in the sub-billion dollar space um, after Mavericks and Nomad, and they're sort of 500 and $900 million market caps respectively. So I think, um, you know, the challenge for us is how do you market the company that, you know, if no one knows about you, you can't travel, no one's ever met the management team. Um, And, you know, you can do it for three months or four months or five months, but, you know, as COVID goes on and longer, you know, I think that's one of our biggest challenges, getting the story out there, because at the moment on a value basis, um, on any comps, we are by far and away the cheapest royalty company. Um, And we have something that every junior royalty company wants, which is revenue and revenue from high quality assets with, you know, multi-billion dollar operators, so i think um that's our challenge um for 2021 um to make sure that um we put ourselves in front of as many people as possible and um and they know where we're out there and, and what we have done to date and, and what we're doing going forwards
0: uh well there's a little bit of optimism that uh in regards to COVID, we do see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel however we still have some patience to practice here uh, it seems like obviously you are aware of that being based in london here lockdown and uh, we'll see if things change here in the United States as uh, COVID obviously continues to uh, be rampant and equally of a problem for all, just about anybody. in It'll be, the world. It will
2: be interesting to see who, who, who allows us Brits in first, whether it's
0: Canada <laughs> or the U S
2: because at the moment we're sort of persona non grata in all of North America, yeah. but I'm um, <laughs> hoping that will change over the coming months and, um, uh you know we can actually um make it over to um uh to meet in some cases some of our sort of uh, big institutional investors who we've never met face to face and our only our only relationship with them has been over zoom
0: yeah well you make it over you make it over here uh fred i'll be sure to fly and meet you someplace all right okay that's a deal and it's uh (laughs) That's the
2: deal, and it's going in the it's going in the show, so
0: you can't take it back. I can't take Boy, it back. Yeah. It's it's set in stone, audio stone. All right, uh, that's Fred Bell. He's the CEO of t of uh, Elemental Royalties, which trades on the TSX Venture with E L E, and also on the OTCQX with E L E M F. That's it for this week's or excuse me, this evening's daily wrap from the AMEBC Remote Roundup. We'll be back again tomorrow in the morning with the news briefing with some more market commentary and then also day four of the wrap up from roundup take care everybody have a good night the information presented should not be considered investment advice mining stock daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision